is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Chris. How are you doing? You know, all is generally well. How about you? You know, it's everything is perfect as it always is, Chris. Nothing could ever be wrong, right? That is exactly the thought behind today's episode of the Youth Worker Recharge, actually. <laughs> that is correct. We are we are going to be talking about our own fails. And we do this every once in a while. And it's definitely not because our other plan for this episode of the podcast failed. Of course, it's not. because we intentionally plan these fail episodes every once in a while, completely at random. Uh, and there is, you know, really some value to it. I'll say like, oh, yeah, <clears throat> uh, it's not like reopening old wounds or having to relive a trauma or anything. But um if you're going to have longevity in youth ministry, there are going to be those times where something does not go to plan. Something gets messed up. Um, and it could just be a mistake or a, a goof, something that happens just spur of the moment. Um, but you live through it. You learn from it. And then hopefully you don't do it too often again. Right. Um, the, uh, the place that we thought that we would start, and, and we are sharing fails from our own ministry histories we we would not want to share fails that we have seen other people do because well except for this one well oh is that the one you're going to start with (laughs) okay i mean it it's it's a fail it it impacted my i mean would you be okay with me sharing somebody else's fail bring it on hot because i I think that's the one i'm going to follow up with then after you do (laughs) okay so this was not directly me i was impacted by it many of my students were there. This is exactly what somebody whose actual fault it was would say, but go on. Oh, right. <laughs> no, it will become clear very quickly that it was not me. <laughs> All right. So I live in a, I lived in a city where there were several like Christian private schools that were very popular with our youth group kid families and and they had chapel and they would let youth pastors come and do chapel. You were kind of on a rotation if you put your name in the hat. And um, so I would randomly go do chapel at least. You know, it's like just going and doing youth group, basically. It's like, well, and it's good community outreach, right? Like you're building oh, yeah. a relationship with the school and the teachers and the admin. So right. it should be good. And it's, it should be smooth. And it's good because it's like you get to see your kids in their natural habitat, all of that. Um, and right. Visiting schools is always great. So however you can get permission to do that is, is, is good. Um, so we got, a, I got a notice from uh, the school that said all of your lessons now have to be um, vetted. They have to be turned in two weeks ahead of time and have to be approved by our principal. Any activities need to be written out in detail, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Hey, this is like, most of the youth pastors showed up and might have thought about it in the car beforehand, mm-hmm. right? If they didn't just repeat their lesson from the week before. Um, and I talked to another youth pastor and, uh, and one of the kids at school and just was like, what? what happened? So apparently there was a youth pastor who was notorious for doing all kinds of things, including recruiting kids 
actively recruiting kids from youth group that he, he, he messaged one of our youth ministry staff's daughter and said, Hey, I saw you go to our church and our church is right across the street. We've got a great youth program. You should check it out. Oh, that's super thoughtful. <laughs> right. He's, he's just a all around great guy. So he, he, he showed up and he had some, some object lesson, but the game was he put a hundred dollar bill at the bottom of a five gallon bucket and then filled the five gallon bucket with cow manure. Mm. The game is you get 10 seconds to get that hundred dollar bill. So kids are just reaching their hand in crap. Literally at school. (laughs) Where they have to go to classes the rest of the day wearing whatever they possibly the most conservative school. Like these kids are in the the boys are wearing suit jackets. Uh, okay. Like it's not just a random school. I mean, like fail. Oh, he was well, banned, by the way. He could he was never allowed to come back, but then every other youth master got all this hassle from it. Yeah, I bet that they did. Well, and and the other part of that fail is like you have no idea what the lesson of that was supposed to be. Right. Like the story became about the bucket. Right. No idea for what the devotion was supposed to be. And same for the kids. They've got no idea except, well, there was this bucket of crap up on stage (laughs) Um, and everybody else had to pay the price. Okay, Um, so, well, I mean, I I can share a devotional one for us, too. once upon a time, um, at the end of the last century, in the late 1900s, which makes me feel very fancy when I say it that way, and also yes. ancient, um, there was a storefront ministry that a couple of churches had gotten together to um, kind of put in place. And it was a, um, kind of in a shopping center next to a 7-Eleven. Um, you would host concerts and that kind of stuff there. It was a coffee bar soda bar. Um, it, so, and, and it was located near a high school. So it was an easy place for kids to go after school if they didn't have anywhere else to be. Um, right. So that was its main purpose, but we would also use it on Sunday evenings for like shared worship and that kind of stuff. Cause it was a space that was big enough to fit everybody. And it had some decent AV stuff too, right? Like decent lights, nice speakers, <laughs> that kind of a thing. So we're doing this worship and there's five or six youth groups that are there. And um, leaders from each of the, the youth groups had you know, offered up youth to do devotions and stuff. And the idea right. that the youth had come up with was, um, you know, the idea of carrying around extra weight and how having a yeah. faith community or whatever lightens some of your burden, right? So, um, mm-hmm. and, and that could be whatever language is comfortable for your context. That could be sin, that could be um, just the weight of right. expectations, whatever. So on, on everybody's way into this night of worship, um, everybody picks up a rock and the biggest ones are maybe two and a half, three, four inches, maybe. Um, so they're not like little pebbles, like they're reasonably weighty. Uh, and everybody's got them during the, the show and, and the worship and then devotions are coming and going. And then the kid who's closing it up um, says, okay, so you know, part of the purpose of this is us coming together to, to be able to lay our burdens down. We don't want you to carry that weight home with you, right? So instead of taking those rocks home, leave them on stage, leave them here with us, leave them in worship while we sing our last song. And it doesn't take right. two seconds for the first rock to come flying from the audience and goes into the drum set that's on the back of the stage. And then another one hits a cymbal and then another one hits a speaker. And there's probably 10 or 15 of these rocks that get launched from the congregation of youth onto mm-hmm. the stage instead of 
<laughs> the leader saying, we would like you to come gently place your rock up in this right. basket or something like that. <laughs> Uh, super duper fail. We went up However, here. There was there was no blood drawn, and <laughs> we did not use any of the scriptures related to stoning. So, <laughs> I, I'm glad that one's over. That one. <laughs> yeah, I have a an oddly similar story where, as you know, I I will go around and uh, like speak at youth retreats and stuff, mm-hmm. right? Jeremy-Steel.com if you want to book me. <laughs> oh yeah, but it's still, yeah, it's still active. Yes, that's right. So um, when I was uh, doing youth ministry each week um, in the trenches, doing all that stuff, I would test new things that I thought I might kind of take on the road on our group at a youth retreat. Right? It would because be because they're so forgiving. Right? When it's right. your own group, new material. If it, goes great, it goes great. If it goes bad, yeah. it goes bad. Yes. If it goes bad, they still love me because. Yeah you know, I've been there for a million years. So I, I go and I plan this metaphor using a cinder block and talking about how the relationship between Adam and Eve and God was very strong, like the cinder block. And then, then it broke. Right. And how, you know, our, our choices can break relationships. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so the idea was center block sledgehammer, right? So as I'm telling the story, eventually I will get a sledgehammer out and break the center block. And I, <laughs> I said to the intern, I need you to get two center blocks and a sledgehammer. Why two center blocks? Because you always test everything, right? Sure. Especially if you've got it at a retreat, there's going to be a lot of kids there. And you don't want stuff to like publicly fail, you know, on, on stage. And I had never at that point busted a cinder block with a sledgehammer since then I've busted many, but that was my first, my first cinder block. And so it's, it's like retreat, right? It's the, this is for the first night of the retreat. And so like when I'm going through, you know, we're getting like up to the time for worship to start. And I realize I've not tested it. I don't know where the stuff is. So I go to the interns like, Hey, where's the two center blocks and the sledgehammer? And they said, I only got one center block. And I said, "Mm, uh, okay. So I know we have one chance to do this one chance to get it right. And, um, so I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to break the cinder block with the sledgehammer. My first try ever. I mean, you have to go hundred percent. You can't like hold back because right. Broken cinder block. The whole talk doesn't make sense. Yes. Right. I've got, (laughs) I've got my, I've, I've used a sledgehammer multiple times before because I was basically a carny at a, at a, uh, at an amusement park that was basically a fair that didn't move. (laughs) And I, I, so I, I was, I was confident in my skills with a sledgehammer. I just didn't know how hard it was to bust a cinder block. Mm. And, um, so it gets to that point. I've, I've had the block out. I've been stepping on it, jumping on it about how solid this relationship is, blah, blah, blah. Then I walk over behind the speaker where I've stashed the um, sledgehammer. I pull out the sledgehammer. Everyone's like, oh, right. Oh, it's going to. Ah. So I walk over and I'm like, I've got one chance. I'm going to drill this cinder block as 
hard as I possibly can mm. so that it breaks. Mm-hmm. So I lean back and I'm, I take it down and like, I obliterate the cinder block, <laughs> but I'm looking at the front row of kids. It's probably 30 kids on the front row. I obliterate the cinder block. And as soon as I hit it, two of the kids go, ah. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so there was no we found cinder block all over uh, all over that it was like a, a huge like basketball gym it was all over the gym afterwards um luckily luckily the kids were okay their eyes were not permanently damaged but always test new stuff <laughs> oh um all right, I've got one that involves international travel. Um, and I will take part of the blame for this fail by not asking the right questions before we cross the border. However, I also feel like I need to share blame with the parties actually responsible for what happened. Um, <laughs> so I'm just you know, offering that caveat at the beginning. So I, uh, <clears throat> local church ministry, uh, I was serving in the Denver area, and there was one summer that we did, uh, we set up an extended mission trip to Ensenada, Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, which is on the Baja Peninsula, south of San Diego. Okay, so I know like, where Ensenada is, actually. Oh, yes. There. There's songs about it. Have you been to La Bufadora? It's it's the thing that no. acts like a whale's blowhole on the coast right by Ensenada. <laughs> No, it's not part of when we went, when we went there, there was a Titanic exhibit that the people there were very proud of from the Titanic movie. Oh. And oh, they okay. they took us to there and then they took us to fish tacos. Fascinating. Uh, that display was not there when we were there, but <laughs> there is this walkway to go see this like blowhole where the waves hit the cliffs in a certain way that it looks like a, you know, whale breathing out. And so it's just this right. over and over and over again. But the whole thing is filled with uh questionably touristy shops right full of oh right no no for sure like panama city beach absolutely times like 10 right you can get like a triple x t-shirt with a with a small bikini body paint airbrushed on it exactly yes those kinds of things for sure right anyway um so that that is the touristy trap side of ensenada however so so we drove right we drove from denver to there and back which meant we had to drive across. Oh my gosh! Uh, oh my gosh! It was so long. So we we drove across. Uh, did you Colorado. rent? Did you have somebody driving, or were people in your ministry actually driving? We we had a rotation of drivers, so that was all good. But we had two buses. This, this was a fairly large church, big trip. So right. we had about 60, 65 participants on this trip. So we're rotating drivers. Um, two buses. One of them pulling a trailer that is totally wrapped in Boy Scout paraphernalia, um, mm. doing the Boy Scout salute which is like three fingers like this. And I was like, I don't know how that's going to translate internationally, but we're going to yeah. find out because we don't we'll know. We'll find out. We don't know. It was all fine. Um, yeah. But you never know what hand sy- This is let's let's pause. You never know what hand symbols this do in other countries. Point. Yes. I had a person doing this to me one time that like uh, <laughs> go away. Yeah. That Bye. means go away in America. That means yep. come here in the Dominican Republic. Just so you know, uh, I kept okay. walking away and they're like, no, no. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Luckily, somebody who knew anything at all was there and they're like, oh, this means, that means come here. And I was like, oh. thanks. Okay, good. Thanks, Got it. I'm backwards. Good. Um, <laughs> so we do the drive. 
Um, and then doing the drive means you do the largest single border crossing between the U.S. and Mexico, which is in between San Diego and Tijuana. Okay. Yep. Heading into uh, Mexico, just not a problem. Very quick, very easy in terms of paperwork right. and everything. Coming back, it's a whole other thing. Um, yep. I mean, we two cars, we'd been working for a week and a half. Everybody smelled. Um, the drug sniffing dogs had to come on and sniff everybody's luggage. And then it's set up almost like an airport, right? Where whoever's driving the vehicle stays with the vehicle for the drug sniffing dogs. Um, and then meets the rest of the group on the other side of what's kind of like airport security. Cause they've got a building that you run everybody through. Uh, one of my students who was a senior at the time, uh, it, I don't even know the right word to use. He got pulled into the special little room where mm -hmm. border agents and federal agents will ask you extra questions. So, mm -hmm. uh, and he had a sister on the trip. So everybody, everybody comes out from the airport style security, meeting me on the U.S. side of the border, and we're reloading the, the trailer and everything. Um, we're doing our head count. Everybody's doing their buddy check. And we say, oh, it, hey, we're missing. We're missing, we're missing Jason. Yeah, we're missing this kid. And his sister says, oh, uh, he got pulled in a little room for extra questions. Um, so <laughs> like, oh, okay. Two of our adults go in to, to just kind of start asking questions. And the people are like, there's nothing you can do until that interview is over. So our whole group waits for about two hours on the U.S. side of the border for this interview to, to clear up and get done. He finally comes out with the agent that was doing the interview with him. And it ends up um, that this student had an open court case um, against him. And he had not told me or any of the other organizers of the trip. His parents had not told me or any of the other organizers of the trip. So we had no idea what it ended up being. And this kid was a senior. Um, he had just turned 18 two weeks before, and he was out with two of his friends who were 17. Um, and they were siphoning gas out of cars and just generally being dumb. Um, but he was being charged as an adult because he was over 18. So it looked like he had fled the country. Um, as an adult criminal. And so he was getting like the third, fourth, fifth degree from these interview folks coming back in. Um, genuinely scary for me. Um, yeah. Because it was sure. one of those situations where it's like, there's nothing I can do to help you. Um, there's also nothing that your parents can do because of the situation that we found ourselves in. Yeah. Uh, so that one was a pretty big fail. And ever since then, it's probably not standard on all of like the medical things <laughs> that you fill out. But I do have a line like, is there anything else you need to tell me that yeah. could cause us problems while we travel? And it was all because of that. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think you've got a maybe semi travel related <laughs> one for us to talk about too, as we close things down. Sure. Yeah. We <laughs> just oddly connected our, our, our lives, Chris are, uh, uh, spiritually intertwined in ways <laughs> that we did not expect. So I had a kid, he was in really into photography I and mean, he's still, he's a fantastic artist and photographer. And he, at the time was into like taking pictures in dilapidated buildings. And usually it would be like of a person, right? Mm -hmm. He had this one in a school, an old, like abandoned school in the library. And there was just these piles of books on the floor and they like took the books and made them into a chair and had this girl sit on the chair in this like dilapidated library, but the chair it was so cool, right? He's great. Um, <clears throat> it, downtown in the city, the city had a, a couple of skyscrapers. It wasn't a huge city, but um, 
downtown in the city, there was a, a building that was being that had been abandoned and was being redone. It was going to be reopened as like an office building or hotel or something. And it was like fenced off and um, like, don't enter. Yeah. Right. Clearly. Sure. I mean, it's like the it's side like, of the building had been yeah. ripped off in places yeah, on yeah, purpose. Yeah. And it's not safe. <laughs> so he's like, oh, man, but this would be a cool picture. Mm-hmm. So he broke in, which, you know, when you hear him tell it, it, it there wasn't a lot of breaking. It was just going in. <laughs> but he was trespassing on on the property. He goes way up high into this <laughs> building uh you know because his prefrontal cortex wasn't fully formed <laughs> and um and he he start he takes these pictures of downtown of the skyline at night but it's like through this building like this open hole in a building oh, right sure. it's so like so cool looking like the the stud like the the steel beams and the right it looked like the like it looked like the matrix or something it was really neat yeah and um and like he posted it like the mayor liked it and reposted it It was cool but like it it got enough attention that it drew the the attention of this building and of the building like supervisor Mm. person Mm. and instead of calling the police they called the FBI and reported him for <laughs> being a potential domestic terrorist. Oh, no. <laughs> so the FBI rolls up to his house mm. in like, you know, three black suburbans, mm. <laughs> goes into his house and questions him and to hear him tell it it's like they're like eye rolling the whole time mm. right there's clearly you're some kid who took some pictures but we have to follow up on these kinds of things and yeah. they were like we're not sure um we're not sure if you're going to be picked up and taken in for this or not we can't we can't know that with whatever the federal attorney or whoever it is mm decides to do with this but it'll happen pretty quick right it's not going to be like a long time uh on a terrorism charge she's like but you know like you're on you're on the list now (laughs) and so like you can't like fly anywhere until this is resolved like it's going to be a thing is there a way sorry i don't know if i'm skipping ahead is there a way off that list i mean is this like a permanent record kind of a thing i don't know i i should ask him if he's still on that list but no and i know he's traveled since then okay i know he's traveled since then so it, it must be that he's gotten off the list but okay. so he was our light guy yeah uh, for our youth ministry's biggest retreat of the year oddly enough the same retreat that many years earlier i had possibly damaged people's uh vision With the cinder block. um yes this the cinder block right uh and uh we are days away from going uh and and this is one of those kind of retreats that's got like not some lights but like lights mm. right in production yeah yeah so uh and he's the guy who's designed it who knows what's what we're doing like he's the he's the mastermind of the whole thing so <laughs> so he so when the fbi is at his house he's like well i'm going on this retreat not far away like 
and I like to do like volunteer and do the lights. And he's like, do I need, can I, can I still go on that? And they were like, yeah, it's not far, but just give us, uh, give us the address <laughs> when you're going to be there so, so that we know where to get you. If we have to get you. <laughs> and so he comes to me and he's like, so so Jeremy, of course there may be a point at the retreat where three black suburbans roll up and if that happens he's they're looking for me he comes to me and he's like <laughs> and this is like the day before we were supposed to leave with the early crew to go set up and he's like jeremy i'm on the terrorist watch list for <laughs> the fbi and i was like Wait, what and he's like completely the kind of guy who might say that to like as a joke but like it's clear he's like really scared and like mm -hmm. serious and i was like so he told me the whole story and and he said and he said so can i should i go or not and I was like, <laughs> i'm like well, hang on so what you're saying is maybe during the retreat, the FBI shows up and arrests you. And he's like, yeah, like, yeah. that's it. But like, there's no other way. And they gave him permission, right? Uh, <laughs> so we talked to this pastor, the senior pastor, you know, like we, we, <laughs> so they're like, okay. Cause the other thing is like, it's going to be really hard for this retreat to happen now. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't go. And, uh, so they're like, okay, so you you just have to have a plan. <laughs> a very limited number of people need to know about this and need to know about this plan. And he is not to sleep anywhere near any kids. You know, we, we, you've got to get him a hotel room style room at this place by himself uh. and another build. Like they, we've got all the precautions so that <laughs> people don't watch this former youth group member young adult get dragged away by the FBI. They didn't show up. It's good. He clearly just, he committed a crime in trespassing, but he, there was no terrorism to what he was doing. I mean, it just uh, escalated really fast. I'm shocked that that's the direction that the, <laughs> the building ownership decided to go. However, nothing should really surprise me in youth ministry, but that certainly escalated <laughs> way quicker than it probably needed to. <laughs> well, friends, um, know that failure is just part of being in ministry sometimes. Um, and often the best way to process that is to not hide from those failures, but actually be yep. able to talk through them a little bit and, and laugh about them. Um, I think that's something that Jeremy, you and I maybe discovered several years ago, right? Like yeah. um, doing, doing the handful of episodes and other conversations we've had. Um, I've even been to like fail conferences, right? Like uh -huh. where um, it's almost like a Ted style talk where you've got 10 minutes to tell your best failure story that you've ever had. Um, mm -hmm. and if you set one of those up with like a small group of, uh, youth ministry leaders in your area, um, you would get some hilarious stories, but you're also going to end up getting a lot of support and camaraderie out of it because, mm -hmm. um, it's just the nature of the beast. Sometimes things aren't going to go right. And all we can do is do our best to be able to respond to them. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think, it's also just important to to not hide your failure, you know, big fails from, you know, your supervisor, other people. It's always better to talk things through and figure things out um, 
as soon as they happen or before they happen in the case of my terrorist young adult. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So we will be back next week. We absolutely will with a non-failing plan for our next episode. Thanks yeah. for hanging out today. All right. All right.